0: This is Bentley Manning.
1: And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church
0: gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is.
1: This is. This this is, is.
0: Empty Pews. Kellen, I think this is our only podcast before we begin. Our season of Lent.
1: I, I think that's right. I think next week is going to be a little too busy for us to get a podcast out, and then you're gone for multiple weeks in a row. So this is like one of our one of our Lenten podcasts, even though it's not quite Lent.
0: I mentioned on Sunday that priests don't typically like it when Christmas works its way into the Advent season, so I want to be mindful that it's not Lent yet. Um, however, our readings And historically, this was a season where people got ready for Lent. Um, So maybe it's okay to have a little bit of time reflecting on um, getting ready to get ready.
1: I feel like it's okay to plan for things that are happening in the future.
0: So... (laughs) Like,
1: that's a good practice to be mindful of. Like, when Lent begins, I wonder... You know, have you already thought about spiritual practices that you would like to incorporate into your life? Or have you thought about things that you are um, hoping to fast from? I mean, all those things, like, take time to come up with and prayerful consideration. And if we just pretend like there's no planning involved... Especially in the church's part, like we've been planning for weeks for Lent. Like this, it, it takes um, a considerable amount, considerable amount of forethought and energy.
0: Ellen, I think here in the office, uh, the two of us, we're going to be reading a book, I think, throughout the season of Lent. It's something that you have recommended. Um, would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about uh, the book we're going to read together and um, how you found out about uh, this author?
1: Yeah, so this book is different than the book group I'm leading for the congregation. But this book is called uh, Remember Your Death, Memento Mori. And it's a Lenten devotional by a nun, um, a young sister. (laughs) She's, I think, around my age. And um, she, I guess, kind of went viral is the way to describe it, right? She had um, a skull on her desk with the words Memento Mori um, on the skull. And... um, she would post things and people sort of got curious about it. Like, why does this nun have this skull on her desk? And, um, and basically it's this, um, this inscription that reminds us to remember our death. Um, and this devotional is a, an invitation for us to be mindful that we are mortal And, um, and that there are daily deaths that, um, might lead to new life. So I haven't read the devotional yet, so I can't really say too much more about that, but, um, I'm excited and I'm interested to, you know, read this young nun's reflections on keeping her own death before her eyes and how that has opened, um, up her spiritual life to God in new ways.
0: Kellen, something that comes to mind, just thinking about this book and thinking about Ash Wednesday, where we will impose, we'll put ashes on people's foreheads with the words, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. I think if you are not um, kind of inside of the church or haven't grown up in the church, all of this might sound uh, really morbid and kind of heavy. Um, and i I'm thinking about the church's insistence, um, both in scripture and more generally thinking about the season of Lent, um, that we remember our deaths and how that is actually a gift. Um, we live in a culture, I think, that denies death at every every chance it gets. Uh, but the fact is that we're all going to die and there's no getting around that. And so there's something, I think, incredibly liberating and helpful uh, about, you know, being part of a body that's able to, uh, look closely at that reality, something that we all share mortality and thinking that through as a group. I think it can be enormously isolating and lonely, uh, to never talk about something like that, something so central to the human condition. Uh, so, you know, to have a season in the church year where we remember our mortality is, um, on one level just really helpful I think because it's something we all experience uh, but rarely uh, have the chance to consider and I think folks in the broader culture are um, hungry for this kind of reflection this kind of thought Ash Wednesday is one of the few um, days in the church calendar where folks kind of show up out of the woodwork people um come to church, you haven't been to church in a long time. And I think it's because they're, they're searching for something more uh, than what they're being offered. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Helen?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. Um, I think if the broader culture <laughs> denies death and resists it at sort of every turn, um, individual people experience people's death all the time and in years where we've seen and witnessed hundreds of thousands of deaths from a pandemic I'm um, I think flocking to an Ash Wednesday service makes a whole lot of sense to me a place that is not going to lie to you a place that's going to tell the truth about our existence I'm um, set within a narrative of um, true hope, greater hope, that's not rooted in escapism or denial.
0: Kellen, I wonder if it would be helpful for our podcast listeners to hear just a paragraph uh, from the reflection on Ash Wednesday uh, from this book, uh, Remember Your Death.
1: I think that's a great idea.
0: Okay, here we go. Meditation on death is not easy. The three full traditional practices of Lent are fasting, penance, and almsgiving. The practice of remembering one's death is definitely penance. Remembering death is a form of self-denial that leads to conversion. Nonetheless, in today's reading, and in fact throughout Scripture, we are encouraged to embrace this practice because it leads to the joy experienced by countless saints. Remembering our death in order to truly live cleanses our hearts and renews in us a hopeful, steadfast spirit. Remembering our death does not remain in Lent, but leads us through Lent to Easter joy. We
2: keep me safe Can you heal my heart? Will you love me still When I have no love to give? Can you hold my hand? Will you kiss my brow?
1: So the last Sunday after Epiphany, before Lent, you always hear a reading of the Transfiguration, and this year it's from Luke, and Jesus takes Peter, John, and James with him up onto a mountain to pray, and while they're up there, his appearance changes, his clothes become really white, and they see um, two men, who they think are Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. And, of course, you hear the disciples, particularly Peter, saying to Jesus, you know, we could, we could make some dwellings for y'all, and y'all could stay put here for a little while. Um, but as soon as he says that a cloud overshadows them... And they hear a voice from the clouds saying, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. And, um, and then they keep silent about the things they had seen.
0: Kellen, that you get this text for sure, every single year, kind of sets it apart from a lot of other texts.
1: It's true. We, we, spend, we spend some significant time talking about this moment of transfiguration.
0: Yeah, which is to say we've probably already said something about this.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: Yeah. What jumps out, right, there are a handful of things that typically, when you think about the transfiguration, jump out. Uh, the law and the prophets being represented in Moses and Elijah. Uh, you also kind of get Jesus's transfiguration, um, Lifted high on this mountain, and then the next time he's going to be transfigured is at Good Friday. Um, so there's a lot to to kind of, and then of course just kind of seeing God face to face is enough to just spend some time there. Um,
1: so so many um, wonderful things we could talk about, Bentley. I have a question about this text that. Um, I'm just not sure about why does Peter sort of um, ask them or inquire about making three dwellings for them to stay? Like, what is, what is that about in terms of the narrative or the character of Peter? I, I always feel like I'm sort of like missing a little bit with that question. Like, I don't quite fully understand it.
0: Kellen, I think that's a wonderful question, and I assume you've got something that you might have in mind here. Um, and the and the and the gospel does make it clear uh that Peter uh doesn't know uh what he's asking, right? It says it. It says not knowing what he said. I mean that that Peter asks Jesus to do this thing, and then the gospel says he doesn't know why he's what he's saying. Um, I, I think my sense is that given the placement of this reading just before Lent, is that it's it's meant to remind us that the full glory, the full revelation of God, of, of of God in Christ, is not made manifest until the cross and the resurrection. So Peter is kind of, in my mind, Kellen, ready to kind of capture this moment in time and make it permanent and and, and to kind of keep this as kind of the pinnacle of God's revelation uh, in and through Christ, which you can understand why he would want to. He sees, um, you know, the glory of God in the face of Jesus. But I think what the text would have us consider is um, this idea that we don't really get the full revelation, the full glory of God until uh, Calvary and um, Easter. so that's that's kind of what I think.
1: Well, I think that's a great read of the text. I'm not really sure like what other interpretation to offer, but do you know who I think might have some like funny uh, unexpected wonky readings of this text?
0: Um, funny unexpected wonky readings. I could come up with a <laughs> lot of candidates, but I'm scared to say that online.
1: I think the church fathers might
0: okay, so <laughs> maybe delete wonky, but let's just see what they say come
1: about, on you have read the church fathers you know that sometimes their read of the text is like super bizarre come come on belly do not leave me alone in this perspective
0: Kellen I won't leave you alone let's I guess let's just see what they say and then we'll figure out if it's wonky fine all right Kellen you just uh, read Cyril of Alexandria um, what does he say
1: Okay, so Cyril kind of, like, agrees with you that, you know, basically Jesus' ministry has not yet been fully fulfilled. He must die and be raised from the dead. Um, And so you and Cyril are, like, buddies.
0: Does this mean that I'm wonky?
1: No, okay. I don't think that's a wonky interpretation of the text. Sometimes there are some just unexpected ways of reading the text in the Church Fathers that I find to be surprising. So maybe my word choice was wonky. Um, But Ambrose does have a bit of a different interpretation. He sort of comes to the conclusion that um, the mortal body is not capable of making a tabernacle for God um, which I think is like a pretty strong statement.
0: Yeah. I'd, so I, um, I'm obviously sympathetic to Cyril's read, but this this perspective, right? That God cannot be contained. Um, say it again, Kellen. What does Ambrose say?
1: The mortal body is not capable of making a tabernacle for God.
0: Yeah. So uh, what a what a beautiful reflection. Um, And a a good reminder that God did not become incarnate in order to be in one particular place for one particular group of people at one particular time, uh, but instead offered a love that is capable of taking root anywhere. And I guess just to put a little bit of extra, I don't know, nuance to this is that it's only through the Resurrection, I think, um, and you might want to say the Ascension as well, but where you have um, a God who does kind of fill all things. Um, and so to, to kind of try to keep Christ or Jesus contained on the Mount of the Transfiguration uh, would be, um, yeah, just that, to kind of keep God's love uh, contained to a particular time and place.
2: Although the earth cried out for blood, satisfied her hunger was. Billows combed on regencies seas for the souls of men she craved. Sun and moon from balconies turn their head in disbelief. Precious love. Thank you
1: a blessing for Transfiguration Sunday. Believe me, I know how tempting it is to remain inside this blessing, to linger where everything is dazzling and clear. We could build walls around this blessing, put a roof over it. We could bring in a table, chairs, have the most amazing meals. We could make a home. We could stay but this blessing is built for leaving. This blessing is made for coming down the mountain. The, this blessing wants to be in motion, to travel with you as you return to level ground. It will seem strange how quiet this blessing becomes when it returns to earth. It is not shy, it is not afraid. It simply knows how to bide its time, to watch and wait, to discern and pray, until the moment comes when it will reveal everything it knows. When it will shine forth with all that it has seen when it will dazzle with the unforgettable light you have carried all this way
2: the man Jesus
1: Thanks for tuning into this podcast, friends. Um, We have so much coming up, and so um, put all these things on your calendar and participate as much as you possibly can through this Holy Lent. Ash Wednesday services are on March 2nd at 12 p.m. and 5 p.m. It would be great to start attending morning prayer, even just one day a week, Monday through Thursday at 8.30.
0: Uh, We also have a Bible study on Tuesdays. Invite you to join us at 1030 uh, for our Bible study. Additionally, on Wednesday nights during Lent, we will uh, look at stories of faith. So we're exploring short stories and thinking about how those might um, help us on our Lenten journey. Uh, Folks like Flannery O'Connor, a wonderful time together, 515 in the chapel on Wednesdays.
1: And you can uh, also join us for a healing Lenten Eucharist at noon on Wednesdays during the season of Lent. Um, And I'm leading a book group. If you want to know more about that, email me.
0: And so between now and then, know that we love you. We miss you. God's peace.